Hello and welcome to another episode of Roy's Cast, the official podcast of the Writings of Yorkshire Society. Uh, we are your hosts, Johnny Farley and Sam Wright. And today we've got Dr. Nick Evans from the University of Hull, who's been working on a new exhibition at the Street Life Museum called Homelands, Photographs of Sierra Leone in the 1940s. So, Nick, if you'd like to tell us about the exhibition a bit. And, yeah, and good afternoon. Yeah, Delightful to be interviewed by you guys. Um, so, yeah, so the exhibition is, as you've introduced, an exhibition about photography of Sierra Leone in the 1940s. Uh, the key uh, rationale for the exhibition was we wanted to dispel some of the myths that people in Hull um, have of Sierra Leone. Uh, Freetown in Sierra Leone is the only place that Hull's officially twinned with. We have other sister, sister cities, but we're only twinned with one, and that's Freetown. But often in Hull we hear about it because it was linked with Wilberforce, so ending slavery, or because of Ebola, or because of the civil war that swept the country in the 1990s, early noughties. And so we wanted to move beyond that. So we, we picked a uh, shared time moment, the 1940s, the time when Hull was being damaged by the Blitz, to actually say, well, what was going on in our twin city at that time? We've got a huge opportunity to look at that through the photography of a, a man who retired to our area in the 1980s. And we used the photography to explore more about lesser known aspects of Sierra Leone's heritage, some of which they share with Yorkshire, some of which are very different. So the photography exhibition is designed to, uh, to introduce people in Hull and surrounding hinterlands to this uh, lesser known story. Great, yeah. Um, so one of the things we wanted to, to ask is, where does that Freetown and Hull twinning come from? It's a really good question. I, I can't remember the, the precise details. But in the late 1970s, uh, Hull decided to have a twin. At one point, they were going to pick somewhere in communist Russia, or part of the Eastern Bloc, as it was known at the time, which was deemed not politically appropriate at the height of the Cold War. Um, so, it's, uh, so instead, they picked somewhere with historic ties to Hull. And basically, uh, Freetown in Sierra Leone was part of a project by William Wilberforce and other anti-slavery campaigners uh, in the 1790s. And it was designed to be somewhere where they could trade with Africa, which didn't have slave slavery and slave trading linked to it. So it's very much part of that project. Lots of people are critical of Wilberforce's role in that. So I'm not necessarily going <laughs> to uh, defend the position, but needless to say, there were genuine attempts in the 1790s, beginning of the 19th century, to uh, introduce fair trade and ethical trade with Africa. So Hull was very much linked to the foundation of Freetown. And people in Freetown know Hull. They've heard of Hull. There's a Hull Society in Freetown. There's a Freetown Society in Hull. There's a place called Wilberforce in, 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 in uh, Sierra Leone too. And they've even just got a new effigy of Wilberforce, <laughs> just in case you've not heard of him enough. <laughs> so there is a Kingston upon Hull way. And in Hull, we have a Freetown way as well to complement it. So it's all rather nice. It's a very active partnership mm. between these different regions. And in total, I think 60 schools in our area uh, over the last 40 odd years have been linked with their counterparts in Sierra Leone too. So lots of people have heard about Sierra Leone, mm. but not everybody moves beyond the story of disease, civil war and slavery, hence the exhibition. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. And, and part of the thing that really comes through in the exhibition, and we went to see it before the, before the episode, is these, these public involvement, the ties between the people 
um, and sort of how involved people from both Hull and um, Freetown have been. So could you talk a bit more about the sort of community groups that you've engaged with during this project and have been involved in the development of it? Yeah, sure. A lot of people from Sierra Leone have come to study in Hull at the university. They've come to live in Hull for various reasons, or they've come here for educational or other visits and, and reasons. So that the living human connection between both cities is very, very strong indeed. Um, so it's something which, since our Wilberforce Institute opened, we've had visitors from Sierra Leone every single year of, of our, what is it, 16-year history so far. Um, and so what we've realised is it was an incredibly li live story. So what we wanted to do as part of this exhibition was not just to showcase photography, but also to help create greater visibility and awareness of Hull's non-white communities. Hull has had a non-white community since since at least the 1590s, if not with Roman regiments in uh, Bruff, uh, a lot earlier. Um, and so the, um, it's a story that we, people in Hull don't often hear much about. Mm. And so what we wanted to do was work with members of those black communities, particularly the Hull Afro-Caribbean Association, to actually say, what stories are you interested in? What themes can we tease out? What would you like telling in this exhibition? So they begin the exhibition, as you may have seen, with modern photos of a very vibrant free town because they don't just want people in Hull going, oh, yeah, Sierra Leone looks like it did in the 1940s. Similarly, they wanted certain themes teasing out, like their religion, which is often um, Islam rather than Christianity, which is in Hull we often only hear about Anglican people in Freetown and Sierra Leone rather than Muslims as well. Mm. Uh, different uh, parts of their culture, from food, from music, from different ways they dress and things like that. So what we wanted to do in this exhibition was to use these photographs by a white person to actually help amplify the voice of non-white people. Mm. And so we work particularly with um, commu uh, community groups or people advising us. And we took to add a different number of consultation group meetings here in the University of Hull's Wilberforce Institute, next door in Hull Museums, but also in places which are not seen as very hierarchical and elites or elitist places. So we met in the Hull Afro-Caribbean Association in Park Street and also in Leeds Museums as well. So as part of different venues to get make everybody feel empowered. The Leeds one sounds a bit odd, very quite appropriate for you guys, we've been Yorkshire, uh, but we headed over to Leeds purely so we all learnt together about a place where they celebrate the railway history of Yorkshire and Sierra Leone as well together. And so we could go and learn as a group. So it's very important for us to be inclusive in our practice, but also to ensure the voices of the individuals came through really. So it was a pretty amazing city who uh, is from Freetown. He was a great star and would like, was very passionate about Freetown uh, and everything to do with it. But also other people of African or African descent uh, got involved as well. So one of the local surgeons, uh, uh, Dr. Dominic Cherwa, really highlighted medical aspects of what was going on in the photographs, which we'd missed. Um, and also so another photographer, Glynis Neslin, who's a really successful photographer, highlighted how successful the photographs were about conveying pride, identity, um, and things like that. So it was a really interesting discovery of which nobody had all the knowledge. It was about working together. And so we really enjoyed meeting, having a laugh, having drinks, and learning more about Sierra Leone and the shared heritage, really. I think one thing that... I mean, it immediately struck me as walking around the, the, the exhibition itself is, the, is, as you said, the comparisons between the, the 1940s 
in Sierra Leone and then and obviously in the modern day. And I think you said earlier that it's part of a photography collection that was taken by somebody that was that eventually stayed and lived in East Yorkshire that went across and, and was it was there in the 1940s. So when you could just speak a little bit about that story and how beneficial it is to the to the exhibition to have that comparison and to show how things develop in those areas. Yeah, it's a great great question. The photographs were loaned to us by um, the photographer's family. And so uh, we had a slavery remembrance event, which takes place in Hull on the 23rd of August. It has t taken place annually for the last five years, even during lockdown. We managed to gather outside in a socially distanced way. Um, and one of, the, one of the meetings, we were loaned these f f photographs, and they were taken by uh, a gentleman who went to Sierra Leone when he was 18 and he um, was basically involved with maintaining aircraft that would keep the seaways open to Britain during the Second World War. So he was based in West Africa, particularly Sierra Leone, to help stop the U-boats attacking merchant ships coming to, uh, to, come to, to Yorkshire, to, to the Mersey, to the, to the Thames as well. And so it was a really important role. And again, forgotten, really, because we hear about you know, uh, people in the Navy, people about in the Air Force, people in the Army, but not really people who were based in West Africa and how they relied on local knowledge to help keep those seaways open. The photographs comprise some five, 600 images, so we couldn't show all the photographs. His daughter said to us on the, in the at exhibition opening, is that it? Where are the rest of them? <laughs> so, which uh, made me laugh. <laughs> and so you couldn't show all the photographs in one, in one go. And so we want, what we wanted to do was give as much um, access to the visual images as well as the words and responses by the, communi the communities to those. So there's a lot of responses to those and how the images struck a message were familiar, were different to the individuals who were part of our consultation group as well. Um, and so really it was all about co-production. Just before the exhibition opened, the family loaned us more objects, which you will have hopefully seen in the cabinets too. And so that, that changed our story even to the very end. So when it opened, everybody involved was like, where's that come from? Okay, and I, I never knew about that. So it was a really good way of showing it, but it was because the partnership with Sierra Leone was so strong, the photographs were something that all chimed with different messages. Um, the family also loved it because they could meet people who were part of our community consultation group at the launch. So they could then understand these photographs that have been a prized possession in their family since the 1940s. So it's an incredibly important insight into this shared heritage, really, um, uh, a heritage which we really deeply value. One thing I was, I was sort of wondering is, is there much scope for continuing with these sorts of stories on a more permanent basis in Hull's museums. And obviously the, the Wilberforce Museum's currently closed, isn't it, There's, something's happening. Mm. Um, but going forward, this marrying of, of historical interpretation and a modern interpretation, is, is that something that is looking to be done or is, is that not sort of thing? Yeah, we hope to. This is all evolved through partnership work between ourselves at the Wilberforce Institute, University of Hull, and our friends in Hull Museums. And so what our plan is that we wish to uh, help recover different stories of different diverse groups in the city. So either discovering new collections in community holdings or reinterpret collections in the museum collections to tease out different stories about diversity in the past or the present. And the idea is that, yeah, we've, we've looked at Sierra Leone this year, but in future years we may look at another place from Africa, the Caribbean, Hull's Polish history, so it could be lots of different stories and really uh, show that Hull has always been a gateway to migrants and been shaped by every uh, ebb and flow of the tide, 
with different migrants, traders and uh, travellers who've come to our area and made the city a strong place that it is. I suppose you, you mentioned a bit earlier about the, one of the driving forces being wanted to tell, almost change perceptions of that. So, I mean, how does that ambition, how does that then become an exhibition? So what's the process from moving from A to B, if you like, and getting, the, getting those groups involved? Is it, is it from the groups that you get the inspiration or those photograph collections or something like that? So what was the... I'll just talk a little bit more about the process of actually going from the thing you want to produce and then get into the end result where it's open now for people to see. I think we were genuinely open to what, what we were going to produce. We didn't quite know what we were going to produce. I've, I've been in a privileged position where I've been involved with diverse ways of displaying the past from digital projections to mark the beginning of City of Culture through to traditional museum exhibitions. For me, it was quite odd because it wasn't shaped on my research, <laughs> my knowledge, my agenda. And so what we said last year was we took the photograph album uh, during Black History Month to the members of the whole Afro-Caribbean Association and said, are you interested? Would you like to do something? They said, yes. They said, what do you want us to do? And I said, that's for you to decide. <laughs> so they all laughed and went, really? It's <laughs> genuinely for us to decide. So I said, yes. Uh, would you like a walking tour? Would you like an exhibit? Would you like uh, something online? Would you like something that's in hold? Do you, do you want something to tour East Yorkshire, Greater Yorkshire? or go to somewhere else like Africa itself. So there are longer term plans with the exhibition. The exhibition will be displayed, hopefully at the University of Hull, uh, Hull Afro-Caribbean Association, different parts of Yorkshire and then West Africa. But we're also gonna produce a booklet which we can send to our friends in Sierra Leone who've helped us, because they will give historical advisors on some of the details to check the accuracy. And so we're gonna produce a booklet which we're gonna send for schools linked to Hull over there so they've got something that they can understand their heritage to because one of the key things that came out for the consultation is we'd love to show these photos to people in Sierra Leone and it's just like how do you do that because yeah. yeah there's that obviously there's that unethical way of just putting everything online but they're not our photographs we need to we need to work through that and so uh, hopefully return to Sierra Leone some of the heritage to do with different people and communities displayed uh, from young from young people from uh, spiritual leaders, heritage and things like that. So one of the most fascinating images for me, uh, which may look, not look that interesting to many, was of some cannon on this mm. former slave fort. Um, uh, friends uh, in, in, uh, in country in Sierra Leone have sent me photographs of now decaying cannon uh, as part of uh, the work by Azatu Smith, a heritage professional out there. But she was completely hyper when, <laughs> when I said, oh, we've got five photos from the Second World War, of your site, as I call Van Silen, the former slave fort. Uh, and I said, do you want to see them? And she went, yes, yes, now, now. <laughs> she was just desperate to see them. And, and so really what we can do through these type of collaborations is to share knowledge with, with different partners. And one of the challenges for people in all of Africa is that heritage organizations in the UK have heritage, but they're not willing to loan that. Mm to African partners, even if they're a bonafide museum or something like that. So one of the, re well, one of the ideas of the project was to give booklets so people have them over in Sierra Leone so they can keep those, not charge them for anything, just give them them and then that knowledge will be shared with different people that matter really. Uh, one of the joys of the photographs is that this man in the Second World War went beyond Freetown. So he went, we know he went on at least one train journey <laughs> to the second city, Bow. And then he travelled all around locally in his free time, 
and he took all these photographs when he wasn't allowed to have a camera either. He hid it in his gas mask. So he took all these photographs and did revealed a, a social side of that city uh, and that country, which I'm sure Sierra Leoneans would like to see. He also took photos of some other, other countries too. So City uh, is planning on uh, taking these, uh, City Maju uh, from Hakka is planning on taking these across Af West Africa at some point as part of City's tour <laughs> so, uh, and spreading that message too. But in my view, the more we can share and build partnerships with communities locally and internationally, the better. And I think it's a real nice opportunity to move beyond rich, powerful economies and the heritage sites in those places to places where they're often ignored and missed off with some of those opportunities. So it's, it's a great one to be partnered with. That's, that's really interesting, yeah. And um, something you mentioned earlier about engaging the, the wider area, um, part of my own experiences as, as an archeologist um, based on working with a project in Bruff, as you mentioned, is uh, one of the facts that is really engaged with is the diversity of the population at that time. Um, sort of getting away from the image of it being all uh, Mediterranean people and, and the diversity that the Romans sort of brought over. Um, is there many other um, stories you can think of at the moment in, in the wider Yorkshire? Obviously, there's the um, very diverse cities other than Hull, there's mm. Leeds, Bradford, things like that. Um, are there any other projects that you're aware of at the moment working on that, that, that angle? I think there are lots. I've been working on trying to tease out and amplify the awareness of the diversity in the in the in the hinterland of of Hull uh, for some time. Really, the one of the some great works have have, have, have tried to do that. Gifty Burroughs has done some exceptionally good work as well. She's part of a at a project called the Africans in Hull and East Yorkshire project, which looks at different people from enslaved workers serving in houses to the, the former Lawns University campus, or a, a whole residence, which was uh, a black GI camp during the Second World War. Um, there are lots of other individuals who are trying to tease out stories too. Uh, I've been working with um, East Yorkshire Council, particularly with their school improvement service, to look at the, so a lot of those hidden stories. And so that's why we're desperate to have any archeology span <laughs> from Bruff of, uh, of people connecting Bruff with the um, black Roman uh, soldiers who we know were buried in York yeah. and must, most likely must have come through Bruff as well. So I think if you've got 2000 years of diversity, yeah. it's teasing those stories out too. Helen Good's done some really good work on Elizabethan Hall. Yeah. So she's revealed a lot of work. She, she discovered to the black uh, figures I mentioned from the 1590s whose names we have uh, who were African um, and in Hull uh, in, the in the late Elizabethan era. She's also shared with me the, the other week that there was um, uh, somebody of, of Roma origin, described at the time as gypsy origin, mm. and when they were baptised at Holy Trinity, the only uh, Christian name the cleric could, could come up with to give him in his baptism ceremony was the only Egyptian name he knew, which was Pharaoh. <laughs> so there were there was some odd names, for, uh, <laughs> odd names for people who were baptised, but it just goes to show you how clerical records and different things are teasing out different stories. But there's an awful lot more diversity in our region. I think it, it hit the nail on the head when I was writing a chapter of a book by, edited by David Starkey for the City of Culture. Uh, and I looked at how many people lived in Hull in 1801, the first census, 20, around 20,000. Only a quarter were born in Hull. Mm. Most Hull people were not born or descended from Hull people. Three quarters had moved from the hinterland, from Cornwall, from Devon, from Ireland, from Scotland, and of course Europe and further afield. 
So the more we can distill into that, uh, the that we're all migrants uh, at heart, I think the better. I'm also curious as the linguistics as to how does a dodgy character from Hull like me end up with uh, vowels like this? And the, the, the whole vowels are very much shaped by continual flow of migrants. Mm. So a really good example is one of the most famous words in Hazel Road area of Hull is skipper, and that's of Danish origin, meaning shipper. And so it's obvious that shipper is a skipper, but of course, if you tell a Hazel Road that's a foreign word, they'd go, clear off, <laughs> you know, that's, a, that's one of our words. So there's lots of different words and pronunciations in our area, which like you're doing with archeology span and like I've done with, uh, with um, archives, we're teasing out different stories that are there. But any, if anybody listening has, knows of any more, get in touch because it's a continually gathering thing and the more stories we can reveal, the better. Mm. Great, yeah. So sort of speaking on getting in touch, what, what sort of organisations in, in Hull would be best to get in touch with? Is it, is it the Wilberforce Institute? Is it the... Yeah, you can get in touch with us. So if you are interested in Hull's, uh, people who are uh, today are part of Hull's African-Caribbean, uh, sorry, Afro-Caribbean descent communities, then uh, Hacker um, have a website. They're based in Park Street in Hull. It's behind Tesco's supermarket, in case you don't know where Park Street is. Uh, if you're interested in, sl- in the slavery past, uh, the historic uh, connections within Hull and migration, get in touch with me, Nick Evans, at the Wilberforce Institute. And um, yeah, just if any questions, daft or otherwise, get in touch and we hope to answer any questions you may have. I suppose just, just on that note, it- the obvious thing to, to, to add to this is maybe a little bit about what the Wilberforce Institute is for the people that are not that are not familiar with Hull as, as, as we are. Shame on them. Yeah, <laughs> I'm only joking. Yeah, so we are in a gorgeous building, uh, 1879, Oriel Chambers. Um, oh, sorry, it's dates in 1879. It's called Oriel Chambers, and we're at 27 High Street, Hull. Um, we're situated within the museum's quarter. We opened in 2006, and we're opened by the president, Kafour of Ghana, our patron was Archbishop Tutu until he passed away uh, last year. And we are um, owned by the museums, staffed by the university, and we're a, an institute that um, has won the Queen's Anniversary Prize. So it's the top possible prize there is in the UK for academic excellence. And what our work looks at is uh, learning from the past to address its social issues today, and particularly around slavery challenging the idea that slavery is only something linked with people of colour, challenging the idea that slavery only exists over there rather than here, even in Hull. We have people who are in exploitative labour conditions. Uh, We're also teasing out closer links with the region and its his slavery past, which uh, is upsetting a few people. I think the fact that Hull, whilst not directly involved with many slave voyages on the transatlantic slave trade, did expand on the back of trading in slave-derived um, goods, either from vessels like the Bounty, which have a slavery past, through to cotton mills, which employed a significant proportion of the city's population before the US Civil War, uh, through to blockade runners, again, not something the city normally proclaims really loudly, and, and, and other issues too. So we're trying to look again at the city's past in different ways. Not ignore the fact Hull has a, a really great anti-slavery story, but giving a more balanced story, that there's also an, an, a story we often ignore uh, rather than hide. So hopefully we'll reveal more. Yeah. And I suppose the 
the real things to, to end on today is, is how long is the exhibition open? And I just to reiterate, where can people find the exhibition? Which is always a good thing to do. So, yes, yeah, the elephant in the room. Yeah, we've not said that. It's a really good question. So the yeah, the exhibition Homelands uh, Photography from Sierra Leone in the 1940s is in the Street Life uh, Museum in the Hull Museum's quarter in High Street in Hull. It runs from 1st of October to the 31st of October. I always forget how many days are around in October. Um, and it's open every day, 10 till 4.30, Sunday, um, 11 till 4. Um, but yeah, hopefully it will be toured in other venues uh, during the year ahead as well. But we'll announce that when those details have been confirmed. And, and where, where will those announcements be for people who can't get to Hull to look at the exhibition? Where can we we'll normally put them on social media. It'll be hopefully one of our partners here, the University of Hull. Uh, look at their website, uh, Hacker look at their website or other partners uh, but either way it will be on our social media uh, website so just look for the Wilberforce Institute Hall on Facebook Instagram or Twitter um, and then hopefully you'll find something well I think from from both of us thank you very much for coming on the podcast today it's been a pleasure talking to you and yeah we'll just encourage everybody to go have a look at the exhibition in the Street Life Museum open until the end of October and we'll hopefully see you on another episode of the next Royce cast so thank you very much thank you